0: Here's Autumn Miles.
1: Hey guys, this is Autumn with the Autumn Miles Show. How are y'all doing out there today? My guest today, I'm I'm I just talked to her for like five minutes before air, which is kind of bad because we kind of said a really a lot of really funny, cool stuff before we even went on there. But we're so but, funny. We're so we're so funny, right? But I want to introduce to you my gosh today. She has written a couple of books. She is a pastor in Brooklyn, which I just think is way too cool for cool over here. She's way cooler than I am, y'all. But she I don't know about that. She has written a book that I love and I want to talk to her about. Welcome to my show today andy andrew andrew um, it's andrew, andrew. Right? i no. know
0: singular no it's very confusing but i just go with it if people call me andy andrews i'm like yeah sure <laughs> it's,
1: it's kind of like julie andrews you like add that s on the name
0: confuse everyone but how funny is it that i my full name is andrea and i married a man with the last name andrews uh, so there you go i think that's you know, my, so
1: cute I love yeah, it. I
0: love it.
1: Okay. So, okay. So we, I had you on the show because, um, you, you wrote this book in 20 and it came out in October. So it's been out for like yeah. a, a second. Um, yeah. but I know why my production team booked you because I talk about fake faith all the time um, on our show. You. We t- Yes. Oh, our tagline is bold truth, raw faith. And the opposite to me of raw faith is this packed patched up version of faith that yeah. we call faith, but it's not, it's so fake. We're controlling what we're doing. So yeah. I know when they, when I was like, Ooh, what is she talking about? Fake or fault? And then I got into your book to see what it was about. I was like, Oh my gosh. She's like, she's like, you're like a part of me. I feel like you're Aww. a part of me. So this is great. Friends already. Friends already. <laughs> Friends already. So talk to me about this book, fake or follower yeah. and your heart behind it. And yeah. why'd you write it? And all that good stuff.
0: Well, there's a few different reasons. I mean, so, I mean, I've been following Jesus for about 20 years, and for me, it was like a radical conversion when I gave my life to Jesus. I grew up in a very controlling, cult-like environment, so it was very void of Mm. Jesus. So when I met him, like, the gospel was genuinely good news to me. Like, I was just like, I, I had never felt like that before. But fast forward 20 years on, pastoring in Brooklyn, tired and weary, um, you know what I mean? Like frustrated yeah. with people that say one thing and do another. And then social media doesn't do us any favors because we're watching people just explicitly live their lives and then say they follow Jesus and I'm dying on the inside going, are we losing our witness? Because there's like the extreme swings that we have in the church from grace to truth when I'm like, why can't we pair truth and love? So there's all of this like emotional things going on around me. And then um, my, my mother-in-law, there's two things that happen that really were the kind of like the crescendo, if you will, that caused me to just put pen to paper and start writing this book was just all the wrestles that I was personally having with myself about what, why am I not seeing the gospel outworked in a way where my neighbor is getting saved, where there is transformation, where people are getting healed. How come has this just become a rote religion for me where I'm just showing up and doing my thing? Or is this is the gospel in the deepest seeping in the deepest parts of my soul and oozing out everywhere? And I I had a wake up call. I was like, I don't I'm not sure how I'm doing. First of all, am I faking this? There's a lot of areas in my life I could look at. But then we were faced with um, with you know our mortality when it was the first of my husband and I's parents to um, basically have a death sentence placed over them. And we were Mm. believing for a miracle. My mother in law, beautiful, beautiful amazing woman got diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it was horrendous. Mm. So we walked through that together, but she went very quickly. And, and, um, and I remember sitting there. She loved Jesus, and, um, but I remember sitting there, and it was like the Spirit of God said to me, Hey, Andy, if you were to go in a year's time to leave this earth, you knew that you were leaving in a year. What letter would you write to your children? Mm. What letter would you write to your church? and really that's what this 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 book became it became a love letter to the church for us to ask ourselves some hard questions like are we faking this in our western christianity mm. will we have looked for ease to mean that we are following jesus or we're doing something right and like ease was never the goal um, that but but the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven and jesus working in and through our lives was always what he came for he came for a revolution in our hearts not mm. that everything would fit together and look perfect all the time. And so that was a huge part. And it was, the other was like this uh, crazy moment where I had just finished speaking and a woman came up to me. This was a big tipping point for me. And honestly, people are getting healed. Like there was crazy stuff happening. And this woman walks up to me and goes, well, aren't you just so cute and entertaining? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? What? You me inter- <laughs> yes, I nearly, I nearly oh, like, no cut she her head didn't. off. I was like, <laughs> you know those moments, Autumn, where you're like trying to hold it together and you're like... I am trying to not hurt you right now, but it it actually caused me to look at myself and go, okay, we need to face ourselves in the entertainment culture that we have put into the church, that we have the consumer mentality that—and I had a crazy dream that night, which, I mean, I can go into it if you want me to, but um, that that was where God really spoke to me about taking the next generation into some of the the deepest, darkest places, but showing them that Jesus works. I think the greatest thing I can do for my children— is, yeah, maybe it's sitting down and doing a devotional. Maybe it's all of these things, but maybe what it is is letting them watch
1: Mm. Jesus
0: Christ actually work in my life. Mm. And so I think... That's why that's what this book is about. It's a it's a conf- confronting book.
1: <laughs> Girl, you're speaking but, my language. I mean, that's yeah. what we talk about on the show. I, f- I I talk a lot about biblical illiteracy. Like you know, we just we mm. people don't read the Bible anymore. We we no, they a, really don't. A lot of people are faking it. And then uh, I have a book coming out in July called Gangster Prayer, um, talking about yeah. prayer and how prayer is. The answer (laughs) that coupled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you are, you're speaking my language. I want to go back to your mother-in-law for a second. Um, I had, and our audience knows, I've talked about this uh, uh, several Mm -hmm. times. She actually was one of um, the producers on the show. Um, One of my team members um, got diagnosed with glioblastoma in 2016. um, Perfectly healthy, 20 years, 23 years old died two months later and it was like what you're talking about one of those moments where you know you're believing you're sitting there with her you of course but it forces you to face uh, you Mm -hmm. even as a minister of the gospel for a a long time now it forces you to face what are you saying How serious is what you're putting out there in your position on a regular basis? So I I am obsessed with the fact that that is one of the driving forces behind this book. We have more in in common than I even thought we did. Um, So talk to me about this faking faith. I want to have a dialogue about this. Yeah. Um, what have you seen, and what what does the book um, say about it? Because, like, this faith thing is no joke. If God says yeah. we have the power, first of all, without faith, it is impossible. It's impossible to please Him. Yeah. So if we yeah. have the power to do that, why are we going around faking it? What are you hearing, and what does this book talk about? Yeah,
0: I mean, we kind of go all over the place. I really do start in a place where I talk about love being out of context, because I think what happens here— is there is uh i think we have a lot of people that would would say i'm a believer a christian or a follower of jesus but we actually have not encountered the true love that changes us deeply from the inside out and love is often used out of context whether we're you know whether that's like love wins hashtag love is love or yeah. that is like i you know and you know i love you has been manipulated totally. against us at times as well so when we don't understand love and that God is love and that love means sacrifice and He died for us and then therefore we receive that we're baptized in this amazing love, but then we go and live likewise laying down our lives. That I means marriage, think about it for us, like, oh man, excited to get married, then I get married, and I'm like, This is just a refiner's fire to make me more like Christ. <laughs> Who knew? Right. So you know, so I think about I think about what genuine love is and how genuine love changes us, it's sacrificial. And I kind of start there because I think the whole the whole premise of a lot of our faking is that we don't understand how deeply loved we are and therefore we don't even know how to give that away. How mm. can we love our neighbor if we don't even know who we are? Yeah. And so I I talk about identity as well and talk about the identity crisis that I believe our society faces at the moment, again, especially western Christianity where we um we tend to not know who we are. We are, again, we perform for love, not from it. We don't, it's, it's very hard to walk in your identity if you don't know you're loved and you don't know who you are. It's kind of like my husband does this thing with our youngest child where he says, Hey, Sam, what am I thinking? And it's over years my husband's done this, but Sam, my husband will just say, hey, Sam, and Sam already knows the answer. It's I love you. Mm. And so so now even when Paul will go, hey, Sam, he'll go, I love you. And Paul's <laughs> like, no, I want you to clean up, but also I love you. <laughs> but um, the context for that is, Paul, we were having this discussion with our kids. The reason why he does that, so it's so deeply ingrained in them that when they make a mistake, when they make stupid choices, when they do the wrong thing, they actually come back home to love and understand that they're loved. And I think that's where we start to stake is like, when we think we're doing the right thing or should be doing the right thing. And then we just live in a consumer culture, too. I mean, I know I'm kind of hitting a few things, um, yeah. you know, love and identity and culture. And I think what's really hard for me, especially pastoring, is how much we have consumers. Like, mm. And if we don't teach people not only to feed themselves, although you're talking about the Word of God being biblically illiterate it it genuinely concerns me when people are talking about like their opinions and their feelings and i'm like look i have opinions and feelings too but if it's not rooted and grounded and anchored in the word of god yes we can we'll do whatever we want there is no surrender there is no holiness there is no standard and god is our standard and so i think that consumer culture goes well i'll take what i want when i want it and if i don't like what you said then i'm out of here and i'm like well what about community Mm. i talk about all these things like i talk about i love it keep going Oh, you know how, like, community is a buzzword as well? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I just like, I love my community. I'm like, do you love your community even when someone confronts you? Do you have someone in your community that can speak truth and love to you? Or the moment that, that happens, are they no longer your community? Because I call, I call your bluff if you say you love community but only on your terms. There's a lot of ways that we're living in our Christian space that is only on our terms, and that is not a surrendered life. So this book genuinely is about facing yourself, continually surrendering. I mean, even the whole posting, I talk about posting it or living it, which is like I yes. had one, one woman who told me, Did you read that? Where <laughs> she I mean, she I had one woman who wrote a review and she's like, I liked 90% of the book and she hated that chapter because I ended up <laughs> talking about all of the racism and different things that we're facing where I feel like we have a society that posts, you know, pray for this or pray yeah. for this pray for this country or this city or this I'm like, okay, that's all well and good. But these hard things that are erupting and coming to the surface are opportunities for the gospel. They're not a distraction from it. And I think people, we're, we're, posting, we're like posting machines, but we forget to go and live and look at our neighbor yeah. and walk with them and sit across the table from someone who's different from us and go, what's it actually like to walk a mile in your shoes? Because I wouldn't know. Yeah. And humbling ourselves to do that. So there's a lot of, a lot of dialogue around a lot of those sorts of things.
1: This is um, so good. Fake our follower is the book. My guest today is Andy Andrew, without an S. Um, you I'll can pass. you can go pick her book up anywhere. But I I love this dialogue because I think people. I mean I I know like I said I know why they booked you because I'm obsessed with this stuff. <laughs> um, um, we first of all, you said a couple things that I I um I want to go back to because you said sure. so Great. much. Um, the first one is. I love community. I need community, but I only want community until you just, I only want community when you tell me you love me all the time or you love my shirt yeah. or you love my pants or you love my shoes or whatever. And eventually yeah. that gets old and you've got to get into, people. I, I was just talking to someone the other day and, um, there, there's someone that has allowed me into their life and I had to call yeah. them and have a hard conversation and to say, listen, I don't want to have this conversation with you, but what kind of a yeah. leader would I be? What kind of a friend am I going to be? If I see this in your life and I don't yeah. say, Hey, Hey, what's you doing here? Like, come on. Come yeah, on. Talk, exactly. talk to me about how uh, if you if you're if we're, um, you know, if someone's ears are perked up in their cars and they're listening and they're saying, wow, yeah. that is me. Talk to me about how that person can go deeper. Because I think we talk just about community on the surface level. We're in small group. We got that thing. We got a culture (laughs) of small. Everyone's got a small group everywhere. But is your small group.
0: I've done all the things. Yes. But
1: then what? Yes. Then what? Talk to me about that person that knows they need to go deeper, but they, they don't know how not to be offended.
0: Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, the onus is on us. And I think that's the hard thing. I think I live with like this holy fear of the Lord that one day I'm going to stand before him and my heart is my responsibility. Mm. So I can go ahead and blame my upbringing, my parents, the abuse, this, that, and the other thing, which all of those actually are hard parts of my story. But I, I am responsible for my heart and the tenderness and the soil that it becomes, whether I forgive or remain offended or bitter. So there's a time that comes when we have to grow up and take onus and responsibility for that. And when it comes to community, I mean, we had... You know, in 2016, when all of the there all there there was shootings happening, that mm-hmm. that black men were dying, and then police were being shot. I mean, it, it, yes. it was when it was erupting in a new way, and it's still going on. And we're we're looking at these issues. We as a church knew we needed to talk, mm-hmm. and so we gathered together, and we have this amazing man named um, Cedric Johnson who pastors here in the city, and. He talked about the four stages to true community, actually, which which is what I want to break down. I could do that really, really quickly, but it's out of M. Scott Peck's book, um, "The Different Drum: Community Making and Peace." And I quote it in my book because I think if we can recognize where we're at on the community journey and realize we got to take responsibility, then we can grow. And the quickly, the four stages are: the first is pseudo community. So that's the one where you know we we show up at church, we shake hands with somebody, we say hello, we go to service, and then we leave. Um, and it's where we put up a front, we can show everybody our best self, we can walk in and we can look good, but nobody is going to scratch past that surface. But I think the thing that happens is when we get to the second stage um, of, of true community, it's chaos. And chaos means that you step into a situation where either you are offended or angry or hurt and your walls come down and people see the true you, and you have a choice in the middle of a chaotic moment do you run away and find another church or another community, mm-hmm. or do you stay and walk it through? Because yeah. chaos is not something that we want to embrace, but it's like when, when we as the body of Christ are walking through all the issues that we see right now, all of the things yeah. that we're walking through as a people, um, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to allow it to let our walls come down and go, God, what issues do I have where... I need to maybe sit across the table with someone because then the third stage is the emptying of ourselves. Mm. We pour, we actually pour ourselves out where we come to the table for others, and it's not just about us. Now, look, if someone wants to hear my story, that's great, but I'm showing up for you. I'm here for you because I'm emptying my life out. And that's why we're more like Christ, is when we can walk into a chaotic situation and we can pour ourselves out and be there for somebody else And obviously the book goes a lot deeper into each of these, but then because the fourth stage is true community. And really we understand that this is cyclical because new people are coming into community all the time in and out of community. So you're walking that in and out and through with people. But I think if we can recognize the fake in us, the pseudo community in us where we're like, I am not, because there's maybe pain in your past with the church or with people and they're all fakers or they're this or that. It's maybe they are, but start asking God for one person. One person that will show up and be real in your life and not walk away. And you be that person, too. Like, just go, hey, I'm going to stick. Now, look, I'm not talking unhealthy situations. Some of you are in, like I said, I grew up in a cult. So that was an unhealthy situation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in a healthy, imperfect church where you can learn how to thrive with people that are not going to run away when you're in that. Uh, but you also pour yourself out and grow
1: through that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think true yeah. community really would sort of pave the way for stopping this consumerism that we see in church. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, it's re- it really could be the catalyst for it. I think our churches have done such a good way of preaching community to a level, but then yeah. not breaking through that uncomfortable level, and I don't know about you, but, you know, writing a book, doing a radio show, whatever, I'm always like, tell me, what can I do better? What can I do? I, I love yeah. to learn. I love to grow. Um, but not everyone is wired like that because maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. But I really do think that if we will allow people to get in our lives more, like true community, yeah. that fourth step. which we have which, to but, let them. Yes. Yeah. We have to let them. I think that would break some of this consumeristic mindset that we have because Agreed. we're seeing real ministry seeing role ministry. Well, happen. you just have people that can call you out on it. Yeah, and,
0: that you're, and, and even if you're like, "Ooh, that hurt," go. You can even say that, like, "Man, that was hard to hear." Can you just give me a minute? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then come back to it, you know, and and allow that stuff to come to the surface and deal with it. It's how we, it is. How we follow Jesus, like it is. How we become more like Him.
1: You yeah, know? <laughs> um I love it. I want to move on to something else. You talk about in the yeah. church, which um I you say you grew up in a cult. I grew up in. My church kicked me out of the church because I filed for the divor- for divorce from an abusive Aww. man. Super long story. But yeah. uh, my dad was actually the pastor of that church. And you talk about church hurt in your yes. book. Oh, my talk goodness. to me yeah. a little. Of course, I, I know what I think, but I, I love that you're talking about this. It needs to yeah. be talked about. Talk to me about that.
0: Yeah, I think because of church hurt and this wave of church hurt that was really open and out there, um, I think what's happened is we have now a group of people that are saying, I am the church. I don't need to be go to church, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I get that to the extent of what you're saying. Yes, you are the saints doing the work of the ministry, but I have had to have a new revelation of what the body and what the church and what the gathering is for because the gathering has a purpose. The coming together has a purpose. Um, I mean, this is, this is multifaceted. So when it comes to church, hurt, first and foremost, like my goodness, uh, I am so sorry. Like, I think for anybody that has walked through pain, I look at my whole family and honestly, none of us should even be, be a part of the church. I see the assignment of the enemy to take us out yeah. when I was very young. So it's a, it's a miracle that my husband and I have even begun to build a community here in New York city, um, because of the deep work that God has done. But I've had to allow him to face a lot of that stuff and still do sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause it still comes up. But I would say whatever you can do to get whole and healed, no matter what, um, whether you're in a church or not, you love Jesus or, or you're on that journey of figuring out if you want to follow him, go, get, go there. Get healing for, for, for the extremes. If I sat and told you the story, half of you wouldn't believe me. It's so extreme what we grew up in. But the, there was more church hurt along the way, too, because as you grow up, humans are in the church. So I would say deal. you got to get whole and healed yourself. You've got You've got to go after that. Nobody can do that for you. You've got to want it and go after it. The other is um, that the moment that you're born again, you're a part of the body of Christ, so therefore you are a part of the church. And Sundays or Wednesdays or gatherings and conferences and things like that, those are actually to equip the saints to continue on to do the work of the ministry outside of the four walls in your sphere of influence. So if you can shift your mindset and understand, I mean, we say this often on Sunday. It's like, hey, this isn't just where we come to consume. This is our equipping and activating center. You come here to be equipped and activated, to walk out those doors and go to places where most of us couldn't go to bring the good news in the kingdom of heaven. And so if we can understand that that's what it's there for, is to equip and activate and bring courage and put courage in, encourage. Um, will change that whole mindset. So I think my heart just believes for a community and a generation of people that I really do believe are out of church at the moment and disenfranchised. And so my call would even be to pastors, if you're out there, Mm. don't just go with what you think you should be doing. Listen to some—it's hard to hear feedback from where the pain has come, but how can we allow spaces and places where people can be healed, made whole, walk on the journey, and build the church together?
1: I love so. that. I, I was speaking at a conference a couple of weeks ago and shared just some of my story and had a man came up to me afterwards. And he said, he, he told me his story, but he said, and then the church kicked me out. And yeah. he started this grown man. I mean, he was a big, yeah. he was a big man. Um, oh. And he just started sobbing and I, I just stood there and I sobbed along with him. And I said, yeah. I am so sorry You know, and just I just said, can I hug you? You know, because it kind of gets weird there. But I gave him a hug and he just sobbed in my arms. And this is, I think, one people don't know how to handle Mm -hmm. when the church that represents Christ hurts you when Christ came for you. So this is such a huge issue that I see uh, on a regular basis. Um, in our ministry, I want. We only have a couple seconds left. Um, mm-hmm. I I want you to just end on this note because I I know that I I believe people are not stupid. Okay, I believe that some people know today that are even listening to our show, driving on six thirty-five out here in Dallas, um, that they're living fake Christianity, yes. a fake faith, yes. a fake walk, but they don't know how, what. How do you get out of the fake? Can you yeah. talk, speak to that person right now and, and give them some tips on what exactly you think would help?
0: Yeah, I think, I think what you've got to do, and this is the biggest thing I even recognize in myself, is I have got to stop avoiding the things that I actually already know are there. Mm. And I think the reason why we don't face the fake in ourselves is it means we usually have to do a deep soul work or we have to face something or we need to reconcile with someone or we have to actually put our money where our mouth is, not our money, our life where, yeah. where, where our mouth is. You know, it's like, oh, I believe all of these things, but like, let's let that be seen in our actual walk. And so I think the things of doing community, showing up, having a reconciliation conversation with someone, leaning in and having mountaintop experiences and taking time with Jesus and like not just you know what I mean Like yeah. I think we just have to be honest with ourselves yeah. that's how we we face the fake because we all get, we all we all get into performance mentality even this last weekend I went to speak somewhere and I realized what where did this whole thing of fear of man come up in me where I mm. started to feel like I need to do a B and, C, and I was like, no that's not how I operate God what is that feel <laughs> me I don't want to get up there and fake it cause, yeah. you know, so just constantly facing ourselves with Jesus with this Holy Spirit with the power of God. Um, right there with you, and doing it with other people is the most powerful thing you can do. It's a mess, but it's worth it.
1: (laughs) And I think this would be a good place to start. Uh, Y'all, those that are listening, go pick up andy's book fake or follower this might help you um, sort of reveal maybe uncover some things that maybe you're like i don't even know like like you just said i don't even know why i'm i'm struggling with this where does this come from um this will help you go pick up her book um out there i love this conversation andy thank you so much for being on the show today Autumn, thank you for having me. It's so good to get to know you. Thank you, and thank you for listening. You know you can catch me, your girl, right back here tomorrow, 3.30 on the Autumn Miles Show.
0: The Autumn Miles Show is listener-supported, and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com, and if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Merry Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.